Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Hello. Hello and welcome to IEEE Softbox Podcast. Could you please introduce yourself? Uh, hi. So uh, my name is Thomas Ranzani. Uh, I'm an assistant professor in uh, mechanical engineering, biomedical engineering, and material science and engineering at Boston University, uh, where I recently founded the uh, Morphable Biorobotics Lab. And in my lab, we're doing research mostly in uh, soft and medical robotics. And I've actually been working in soft robotics for almost 10 years now, mm. uh, starting as a PhD student at the Santana School of Advanced Studies, uh, and then moving for a postdoc at Harvard uh, School of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the this Institute for Biological Inspired Engineering. Mm-hmm. So what is the first robot you built and what was the feeling you had at this time? Well, uh, I always I always love the feeling of designing and building robotic devices, and I had some experiences building robots during my master thesis at the University of Pisa. However, the robot that I feel like the first robot I entirely designed and built was actually a soft robot. And uh, at that time, I was a PhD student, and I was working on a large European project called Stiplop, uh, and I was working on fabricating a soft robotic tentacle able to perform minimally invasive surgical uh, procedures. And I really still remember the excitement of the potential of, of this new technology, uh, especially since I've been struggling with traditional rigid systems and their limitations, especially for, for medical specific applications in medicine. And being able to design something that was able to safely interact with human tissues just by virtue of its constituent materials, and at the same time so simple and inexpensive to fabricate was, was very exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, through this experience, after more than 10 years, as you say, how you would define soft robotics from your perspective, and what are the most important questions should be considered? Yeah, that's 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 a good question, and and it's kind of interesting to to uh, uh, see that people have been struggling to find a good definition of of a soft robot, and and I remember having discussion with the community uh, about this and, and, and still not not coming to, to a full consensus of what a soft robot is. Uh, on the other hand, if you think about it, it's, it's very easy to identify what a soft robot is. I mean, if you, if you show a person a soft and rigid robot, they can be very easily identified which one is a soft robot. Um, so so it's, it's interesting to understand why why there is this, this challenge. and. and my perspective on this is probably the lack of quantitative metrics relative to this particular class of robotic device. So, for example, the, the, the term soft itself, it's, it's a relative term. So, it, mm-hmm. it, it means it's soft relative to what? Uh, so, 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 that's why probably there is still some challenges. So, from, from my perspective, soft robots are machines that exploit the softness of the formation of their constituent materials to accomplish a task. And, and, and this has a sort of a, a twofold uh, 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 consequence. On, 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 the, on one hand, we're, we're moving away from the traditional robotic paradigm. You have like 
uh, actuators, uh, uh, well-established actuators in fixed location, and you have discrete joints, and you have rigid links, and and, and that's while in soft robotics we are moving towards continuously deformable structures with, with large nonlinear deformations involved. So the whole body is deforming, you know, not just single uh, uh, specific areas of it. Uh, mm -hmm. The other key aspect that, that sort of identifies soft robot to me is the way it interacts with the surroundings. So, so I sort of mentioned that saying soft is a relative term and, and, and compliance matching between the robot and the surrounding is actually a key mm -hmm. uh, feature that, that makes a robot uh, soft. So the, the fact that materials are designed to interact in a specific way with the surrounding is actually a key feature and, and make them particularly suitable for like interacting with with varying structure environments uh, manipulating like delicate objects so so definitely the, the way soft robots move and the way they interact with the surrounding are the key features that define what a soft robot is too. Mm -hmm. as regard the question the, the second part of your of your uh, question what are the most important questions on um, that need still to be addressed uh, well I think it's Although it's been around for a while now, there are still a lot of open uh, questions to be addressed and, and mm -hmm. that range from the standardization of manufacturing processes. So, so we're in a phase where we know in, in rigid robotics, you sort of build your components and assemble them. In this case, you build everything. So, so there's some arbitrarity in that, the way you, you manufacture and you assemble your robots. And that uh, uh, ties into the lack of standardization that, that we're sort of facing in the field. Um, there are challenges in, in how we can actually model and capture in our model and control algorithms the complex interaction that the robot has mm -hmm. with the environment. And how to handle all this complexity so we can build those structures, they have large deformation, they have all these degrees of freedom, how we can capture all this complexity into our control algorithms and how we can embed some of this control on board of the robot itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's very interesting. So could you please tell us about your work in soft robotics, what you focus on in this field? Yeah, so uh, my, my previous work was mostly focused on, on exploring the potential of soft robotic technologies in, in, in surgical applications. Mm -hmm. so, so I did, I did my PhD uh, um, developing uh, uh, this, this soft manipulator for minimal invasive surgery inspired by the manipulation capabilities of the uh, octopus tentacle and uh, trying to design it to make it safe in interaction with tissues and, and organs but on the other hand making it able to be effective in performing a task and that that uh, ties into one of the most common challenges faced by, by soft robots so how can I make something that is compliant enough uh, to be uh, to be robust and, and stable in manipulating something that is very delicate and with a regular shape. But on the other hand, mm -hmm. how can I have enough structural stability to be able to effectively apply uh, forces uh, and act on an object when I want to? So I've been working a lot on variable stiffness structures to try to uh, tackle these challenges. Um, and then I uh, later on focused on uh, uh, scaling down soft robotic technologies and exploring the potential of soft robots at smaller scales, um, tackling these issues mostly, mostly from a manufacturing point of view. So how we can actually manufacture complex millimeter scale uh, soft robotic devices that still 
uh, provide that level of, of complexity in terms of, of shape, of, of degrees of freedom mm-hmm. that larger scale soft robots have. And that resulted in a, in a, in a soft, uh, again, a biologically inspired robot. In this case, it was inspired by a small uh, a spider uh, and, and developed this few centimeter robot with uh, uh, multiple degrees of freedom to actuate all the different legs of the spider and the abdomen and, and providing at the same time uh, being able to provide at the same time some structural and functional complexity so a, a, a complex shape complex three-dimensional shape uh, and, and actuation and controllability of multiple degrees of freedom that can be embedded and then i moved as, as since i moved uh, to to bu to start my own lab uh, uh, we are actually working on both the exploratory side as well as the applied side of soft robotics. So we're working on developing new technologies for actuation and sensing, new ways of control cell complex soft robotic systems, both from a software and hardware point of view. We're working on building, keep building by inspired uh, platforms and developing new fabrication techniques uh, uh, that allow us to embed more and more complexity into those uh, platforms. Um, we have a, a, a very experimental lab with a clean room facilities, laser machining facilities to fabricate very complex uh, soft robotic systems. Mm-hmm. And on the more applied side of, of, of uh, uh, the field, um, we're very interested in developing soft robots that are able to interact with a human body uh, in close contact with the human body at a large variety of scales. And what I mean with that is uh, um, we can develop soft robots that interact at the, the body level with a, with a human being and help them, for example, accomplish a task, assist them in their daily living activities, uh, assist their motion capabilities. But we can also develop robots that can uh, uh, perform medical procedures inside our bodies so they can exploit their inherent safety safety to to interact with the most delicate body structures of our body. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So through this, all this kind of work you do, what are the misconceptions about of robotics that you think could be concerning when you have this experience and working in different aspects of soft robotics? What could be the misconceptions you, you can you can yeah, ignore? That's that, that's a good point, and and uh, it's it's always good to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one there are there are a couple I can think about. Uh, one of them is that sometimes it's seen as a replacement uh, of, of of traditional robotics, and, and and I think that's very wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so of course I mean it's. It, I think it should be seen more as a as a complement of traditional robotics. So, so with traditional rigid robotic system have been around for a while now, and and we've been uh, advancing that field uh, quite a bit in the, the past decades. But we've also understood that there are some limitations and some things that rigid robotic systems are not very good at doing. Uh, and so, in that case, maybe soft robotics can be a good solution, a good complement. Uh, um, to to tackle so those issues, so I, I think definitely first misconception is it's it's not a replacement, but it's more a complement to traditional robotic simple uh, uh, traditional robotic systems. Uh, the second one um, that I think is somehow a little bit more uh, uh, dangerous, if you, if mm-hmm. you wish, is is that is seen as a 
as a sort of a very uh, simple field. So like there, there is a low entry barrier in, in manufacturing a soft actuator. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost, almost anyone can fabricate a soft actuator. Uh, uh, but, uh, and this can lead to, to, to the misconception that you cannot do complex things with those. Um, and uh, while, while it's true that, that everybody can easily fabricate a soft actuator that kind of work and kind of does something that it seems useful, uh, there, is, there is a long path in, from going to that level to develop something that can be uh, well-designed, manufactured, mm-hmm. modeled, and controlled in a way such that can be actually used to address uh, uh, social and economical challenges that, that we needed to uh, do. So if we imagine that we have now full use of robotics, and like we see lately that we can have like Xeno robotics from the frog cell that lately was, was announced, what do you think would create the biggest technological roadblocks to have a fully soft robot. Yeah. So, uh, so first of all, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure we we actually need necessarily to have something that is entirely soft mm-hmm. uh, uh, per se. Uh, I think we have to have it soft where it need to be so that we can exploit the unique advantages that soft robotic can bring to the table. Uh, and so, so I think it's we we should probably more think about like what kind of application would require in case an entirely soft robot or what kind of application would require the hybrid uh, between the two. But I think in general, the main barriers that, that we have still to overcome are mostly related to how we can embed control on, 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 on our robot. I think we are, we're pretty good now in fabricating soft actuators, soft sensors, soft structures. But the way we can actually power them on board, the way we can embed computation, the way we can embed uh, some logic components on board, it's still it's still a big challenge in the field. And, mm-hmm. and we always rely on, on putting everything uh, externally. So, so I think that's that's one of the main roadblocks that we still have to uh, overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I ask you how you would see intelligence and robotics from your perspective and the experience you have? Oh, well, yeah, there are, there are many levels of, of, of intelligence in general. And, and in, in robotics, the lowest level uh, to me is just being able to, to perceive something. So it's a robot blood sensors mm-hmm. and it will perceive the environment, uh, the surroundings, and then through sensing elements and then perform some form of computation based on, on that information and then uh, uh, perform an action. And of course, there are more advanced intelligence for, uh, forms of, of intelligence in robotics. And if we think about the field of machine learning, artificial intelligence, there have been amazing progresses that, uh, by, by the field, mostly focusing, with some exception, but, but mostly focusing on developing these very complex brains, very complex uh, and, and high-performing computational uh, uh, units. Um, I think it's like it's kind of interesting how soft robotics is sort of like shifting a little bit more the attention to the uh, body and to the importance of, of, of the body. So while while maybe you have to now the, the intelligence has been mostly seen as a, as, as a computational power. Uh, now now we're trying to look a little bit more at the. Uh, intelligence as something that can be integrated inside the body of the robot itself. Mm-hmm. 
So to which level do you think the current soft robotics are fully in, you think intelligent really? Oh yeah, that's 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 a good that's a good question, and it depends that obviously on on how uh, how you think about intelligence because the the way it's a soft robot is thinks about intelligence completely different different right so so uh, um, we 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 think more uh, we take more inspiration by by biological organisms and the way they offset the uh, control uh, uh, and the computation to to their body to their structures. And, and, and the idea of, of, of soft robotics is mostly trying to, to get inspiration from that, so offset uh, uh, as much as possible the computation required to the uh, to the design and the body uh, of the robot itself. Um, so, in this sense, there have been some very interesting progresses uh, in the community, and uh, people have been able to to uh, develop some instances of morphological computation that are very, very exciting. Um, I still think there is a, a lot of work to do uh, in the sense that it's kind of complex to, to, to see how much of this, this offset intelligence to the body can be actually uh, actively controlled, but somehow actively mm -hmm. controlled. Because at the end, you want, you want the robot to do what you, what you want it to do. Uh, and, and, and so how you can uh, control this this intelligence that is offset to the uh, body. I think it's something that it, it's still an open question and since something that, that we need to figure out fully. Mm -hmm. So for you, uh, the personal experience, do you more interested in going more in morphological computation or designing control for uh, soft robotic like passive material or going for more intelligent material? What, what direction do you think more interesting? Um, well, I think uh, I I think I think there should be a little bit of an integration of everything. So, so from from my my personal research, I'm, I'm mostly working on, on on the embedding more aspects of morphological computation. That's what I'm, I'm mostly interested in. But I'm I'm, I'm coming to the realization mm -hmm. that we need somehow to uh, um, integrate aspects of of adaptive control to it. So somehow integrate those two aspects is, is paramount to, to be able to control a soft robot at the level that we're actually able to control a more conventional rigid robotic system. And that's eventually where we want to go. Right? So, so I think that we're trying to, to start a conversation uh, um, where, where we, we integrate those uh, different aspects, different control aspects, uh, to be able to best capture the complexity that mm -hmm. a soft robot entails. Mm -hmm. And what could be solution to really capture the nonlinearities of systems? Since some guess just say that it sometimes destroys the natural dynamics. And what do you think could be solution for that? Oh, that's a that's a very complex problem. So the way the way we are trying to think about it is using uh, uh, more uh, machine learning algorithms and more learning. Uh, algorithms to sort of best capture uh, the nonlinearities, and that's that's what we're we're trying to do. Uh, I don't think there is a still a fixed solution uh, to this, and that it's still a very much uh, open uh, research field. Mm -hmm. uh, but but that's what we're trying uh, to do. It's something that we just started. So mm -hmm. hope hope you can I can update you soon. Okay. 
So let me ask you what the challenges that you really want to solve currently, challenges you have in, in your work. Um, so we're, we're very interested. So from the, the applied, more applied based uh, uh, research that we're doing uh, in, in medical robotics, the main challenges that we're, we're interested in doing is how we can actually design robots that can be used in everyday life. So, so we're, there's this big push, very big interest in, in bringing robotics in our daily life. And I think soft robotics is gonna be a perfect candidate uh, to, to, to be at the forefront of, of, of this trend. And so we're very interested in how you can design a robot that can be in very close contact with the human body and mm -hmm. help them accomplish uh, uh, daily living tasks. Um, as well as how we can design them to outperform current uh, uh, tools of, of people, tools that people are, are uh, currently using. And this is especially interesting in, in the surgical field, uh, where uh, conventional rigid uh, tools used by uh, surgeons are often inadequate to uh, um, to perform uh, the procedures uh, and to perform especially minimal invasive procedures where you want to sort of access the body through very small uh, access ports and you have to navigate very uh, uh, intricate paths and you don't want to damage surrounding tissues. So, so in that case, uh, soft robotic technologies are kind of a very uh, promising and natural fit uh, to, to improve current technologies. And from the more technological point of view, I think one of the problems that most interests me is really how we can actually enabling the complexity of soft robotic systems. So how we can uh, really take the most advantage of the complexity that we can embed through our manufacturing capabilities into a soft robotic system. So how we can use all these different degrees of freedom that we can embed, how we can use all these different functional materials that we can uh, integrate into the structure how we can exploit the uh, principle of morphological computation, mm -hmm. how we can do all of them, uh, integrate all of them into a, a soft robotic platform, how we can actually control that. Uh, and, and that's a very, very uh, complex problem. Mm -hmm. And when you expect that soft robotics can be really come in our real life, how many years do you expect that could be uh, a product we have in our daily life? Oh, that's a, that's a very good point. So, so if, if you think about the uh, uh, rigid robotics, mm -hmm. uh, it took it took decades to mm -hmm. have from, from yeah. first rigid robots mm -hmm. to have uh, your, your Roomba at home yeah. or Clinica. Uh, and still the robots that are in our home are, are still very, very simple. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for soft robotics, the path is going to be similar. So we, we, we're still going to need probably decades uh, before mm -hmm. we're going to be able to use them in our home, um, despite they're moving probably a little bit faster than uh, rigid robotic systems. And, and if you think about there are a couple of companies that are uh, quite successful, there's Soft Robotic Inc. Uh, yeah. it's, it's already quite successful from an industrial point of view. Uh, there is the um, soft access suit uh, uh, distributed by Rewalk. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as a medical device, as FDA approval this year, last year, um, that is going uh, very well. So, so things are coming up the market, but but I think before we have a more ubiquitous presence of of soft robotic devices in our home, we will still need some time. Interesting. So, 
As Soft Robotics has entered the field, how you would see the challenge of speaking different languages? Since we have, a, you are personally focused on material science, and as there is also control aspect and and the other side of mechanical and electric engineering. So, how you would see this communication? Do you think that we leak understanding? We don't understand each other very well, and maybe that's lead to non-robotable soft robotics sometimes because we don't understand how the materials could function. That's example. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, that's that's a that's an excellent point. Yeah, it's so it's 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 one of the beauty and the challenges of this field. So it's mm -hmm. it's incredibly interdisciplinary, and and you cannot fully do that if you don't have already yourself some knowledge in material science, biology, physics, and engineering. Uh, and, and if you don't, you you have to learn that quite mm. quite quickly to to be able to uh, be in, innovative in this in this field. So it's it's a I think it's a challenge inherent to the field itself, uh, and, and I think the community is doing a very good job in this. If you, if you compare that to other communities, and that there's a there's already like a, people are joining the field of soft robotics from from material science, from from electrical engineers, from from control uh, more recently. So so there is there is some convergence uh, uh, happening, uh, I think, and I I try to do. For example, in, in, in my lab, what I try to do, I try to, to, to create a very heterogeneous group where we have people mm. from material science, we have people from electrical, from computer science, we have people from mechanical, and this sort of forces people to talk to each other. And I think that's that's probably the best way of, of, of performing this integration. So working with people with completely different backgrounds and, and, and try to be open and, and receptive uh, uh, to, to to differences in, in, in knowledge and, and try to find a common ground uh, to, to be innovating in this field. And I think that's really paramount mm -hmm. to advance the field of soft robotics. Um, I, I think we can, we can probably uh, uh, keep improving this, this kind of uh, 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 collaboration between different fields and, and think that can always help our uh, like joint funding opportunities between faculty. That's always something that's, mm -hmm. uh, if it's more encouraged by, by funding organization, I think that would be uh, beneficial to everyone, sort of forcing people to work together mm -hmm. uh, or exchanging students uh, between uh, different departments or different backgrounds. I think that's, that's something that's a good point. Uh, could be very useful. Yeah. So in the last decade, how, how you would see the progress of soft robotics since you started a PhD student and now you have your own lab? How, how would you see this progress is happening? Like exponential or linear? How, how, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's, it's kind of in, in, interesting because like I, I, I kind of remember when I started uh, uh, soft robotics was, was seen like, a, uh, I don't know, like something very, very new. A lot of people were not really understanding it. It's, it's, it's what, what, what's actually, what, what, is it a robot itself? Or what, what's actually happening here? And, and, and after, and within a very few years, mm -hmm. we started having like a, the journal dedicated that, that was, was for some time the highest impact uh, uh, journal in the field of robotics. Uh, and then we, we have in the, the community grew at an incredible uh, speed. We have on our own conference of Robosoft. So things are, there is a lot of excitement. And, and, that, and I 
really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed seeing that because yeah. I remember, like, a, as a PhD student, mm -hmm. uh, sort of struggling to communicate the importance of these fields uh, initially. Now, now it seems quite laughable looking at how mm -hmm. how the, the the field is now important and relevant uh, all around the world. And and I think one of the most interesting uh, aspects is also sort of. Uh, uh, how being so interdisciplinary uh, opened up to 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 really like explore as a field in in a lot of different uh, uh, journal kind, for example. So like before it was it was for example very uh, hard to to publish robotics in, in journals like uh, I don't know advanced materials or like science or nature. Mm -hmm. Well now soft robotic work is, is quite uh, frequently uh, published on those very high-impact journals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So let me ask you, what do you think the most challenging problem that face of robotics in the long run? For example, because some, as many report that the problem of reproducible uh, result, and that's something we struggle sometimes. I don't know what you think the most challenging problems we can face of robotics in the long run. Uh, well, uh, challenges probably, I think mostly how we can really demonstrate in a more quantitative way mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the advantages of soft robotic system with respect to the traditional ones. So it's, it's quite kind of intuitive and qualitatively it's easy to understand when it can be better to use a soft robot with respect to a rigid one. Mm -hmm. But I still think that ha not having those quantitative metrics, uh, it's, it's, it makes it harder to convey that message. Uh, um, like what? Uh, what is the metrics you, you uh, think would I'm, be? I don't know. For example, like um, you, can, you can show maybe that you can manipulate better uh, a delicate object. Mm -hmm. How can you define a metric for that? Can you define like I don't know damages to the object, for example, or can you define like a stability of the grasping, or can you define stability of the manipulation, or for example, in, in medical application, can we uh, have more quantitative metrics on uh, like damages when manipulating an mm -hmm. organ? I mean that that's yeah. one of the main challenges because like internal organ can be very easily damaged uh, by conventional tools, so we should do a better job in quantifying like the differences that we have in using a soft robotic system and a really robotic systems and present that those are uh, very uh, strong metrics mm -hmm. um, that can be seen by everyone as uh, undoubtedly better uh, uh, with respect to traditional approaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, let me ask you a futuristic question. Sometimes how you could imagine soft robotics in the future if you can imagine something crazy have you ever had this thought about how it would be the future about robotics? Something you thought about that? Yeah, so I think I think we're gonna have I think we're gonna have a lot of soft robots we're gonna be working with in the future. Mm -hmm. So I can see. I mean, you can you can easily imagine having like uh, additional wearing additional soft manipulator that can help you and give you maybe an extra hand or like mm. having a, a soft systems uh, in in the uh, home maybe uh, helping you doing uh, helping you like doing some tasks in the kitchen mm. or like if if you think about like 
all, all the environments that are not well structured for traditional robotic systems have uh, can be a very good uh, um, places to to deploy soft robotic devices so so rigid robotic systems for example the industrial one need to have their own cages uh, and need to be protected from from the uh, users but but soft robot can be uh, designed such that they're inherently safe and you can have them really uh, around your house helping you uh, performing tasks and and um, uh, with your with your in common daily living activities Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you think that we have to come up with ethics and regulation for soft robotics? Oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we we have we have to find regulation for uh, uh, as we're doing for rigid robotics. I, I don't I don't see a big difference uh, mm-hmm. in between the two. Yeah, we definitely need regulation. Mm-hmm. But do you say DTNS tried us in this regard that? when we develop something like, sometimes materials, some of them is toxic to be used. Do you think this is something you see like, everyone is taking this seriously, the ethics and regulation, or just do we have to come up with own ethics and regulation for software robotics field? Yeah, that's a good point. So definitely looking at the uh, material could be some additional regulation. I feel like working in the in the medical devices, those are kind of already in the in the regulation uh, aspects. So so of course when when you're developing like medical devices, uh, the, the materials used are already kind of uh, checked uh, even for for traditional rigid robotic systems. So in this sense, there's there's not going to be a, a very big difference. There's probably going to be. Uh, kind of require some extra attention uh, for more like assistive devices. Uh, uh, definitely, yes. Mm-hmm. So, how do you think we can make sure that soft robotics will be beneficial to humanity as a whole? Because sometimes it's it's now overwhelming, and there are many projects of soft robotics. Do you think all the incentives? to really uh, have something at the end could be really beneficial. Do you think that's this point or how, how you would imagine this, this question can be answered in our research field? Yeah, so definitely, definitely they will be beneficial uh, to, to human as a whole. And, and it's, it's, it's important probably, and, and this is typically guided on, on from, from the way the, the, the funding is, is kind of organized mm-hmm. uh, at different in, in different countries but it, but it's, it's, it's very uh, important that we make sure that all those uh, robotic systems will eventually converge into something that can be uh, definitely beneficial and and that's probably uh, the, the, the role of commercialization of, 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 of the product so so you want to make sure that the researcher develop the uh, technology and develop the tools and then at some point companies pick up that technology that intellectual properties and bring that to the uh, um, to the market uh, to develop systems that can be then used uh, by um, by end users um, and I think it's like in well within this this process uh, we have to make sure uh, especially developing uh, devices and again I, like take the example of, of medical devices from my personal experience it's always the, it's always fundamental to make sure that what you're developing uh, uh, satisfies a, a, an unsolved challenge something that mm-hmm. 
that society really needs or really requires. And this is very important. That requires strong uh, collaboration with physical therapists, with surgeons, uh, and, and making sure you, you find a common ground with them and you're really able to uh, find solutions to unsolved problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with that being said, do you think that soft robotics is really having a niche in industry or a commercial sector? Do you think it's still really have a welcoming from to be a product and now recently speaking? Yeah, so so I think it's 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 starting to, to come out in the industrial sector. Uh, probably probably still a little bit as a niche, but but I but I, I had still have the feeling that it should be as, as a complement to rigid robotic system, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be just a company that does only soft robotic devices. Yeah. So, so the, the, there should be like soft robotic technologies more integrated into uh, uh, conventional uh, technologies. Um, and I think it's somehow what the soft robotic gripper of soft robotic ink is doing. At the end, it's, it's a soft robotic gripper, but it's attached to a traditional rigid robotic device. Um, so, so in, in, in this sense, it's, we, we, we're going to have definitely, we, we're going to start seeing more and more these sort of hybrid systems where you have mm -hmm. some soft components integrated to a more traditional rigid parts. Uh, I mentioned before the soft exosuit is another great example of, mm -hmm. of a medical device, uh, um, soft robotic medical devices that came out to the market very recently. And I'm sure there are uh, others that are, that are coming up. So I think it's a, it's, it's something we'll, we'll have to see uh, and, and, and every year we're seeing more and more companies coming out and they seem to be doing pretty well. Um, so I definitely hope they're going to uh, keep doing that and having more and more uh, software body platform uh, available. So imagine that you student after finishing BHD won't start a soft robotics startup uh, about the project was running in the lab. What do you think the criteria to make a successful startup in soft robotics project? Um, well, definitely uh, you need to have a patentable uh, technology that needs to be patent. Um, mm -hmm. You need to have uh, uh, well. You need to study a little bit the, the market that, that your device uh, is, is going to potentially have, um, and, and those are probably the first uh, the first step that you want to uh, uh, do. Um, and you can probably do that with the uh, support of the university uh, initially. So. I think it's the other thing probably that you want to do in, in, in when, when translating from uh, a project that's been done into the uh, research lab to something mm -hmm. that is more in industry focus is sort of like being able to switch your, your approach. Because in research, you sort of like you're, you're interested in addressing a problem uh, and not much into developing a product, mm -hmm. and 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 then while while moving to the more industrial settings, you you want to switch your mindset, and yeah. and, and sort of like uh, put a little bit of a more of a hold of the on, on the research problem, and and transform your solution in something that can be uh, sold as a product so has a more again standardized way of fabricating uh, more uh, stable materials that you can use that, that maybe last longer with respect to the one you use during your research so mm -hmm. there's there's a, 
a lot of research that, that you'll have to put into making your product ready uh, to be commercially available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So following up, do you think that, how, how do you think the integration of AI and soft robotics, and soft robotics is highly nonlinear, and since most of the AI models are dedicated to black box modeling, so that's kind of like trade-off between uh, understanding soft robotics and, and using AI. So how do you see this kind of integration? Yeah, so that's 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 a good problem, and that's actually something that, that uh, few researchers now are trying to to uh, uh, tackle, and, and and we are trying to do it uh, uh, as well. Um, so I, I think there is definitely going to be uh, some some integration between between the two worlds, mm-hmm. and uh, I I don't see a uh, I mean I think it's a it's kind of a interesting way of, of the, the, the AI approach is kind of interesting in this kind of black box uh, uh, approach. And, and in this sense, you can sort of embed, still embed some of the non-linearity of a soft robotic system. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, that's a very uh, promising way of, of looking at uh, how to uh, control soft robotic devices. And also you can exploit the, 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 the power of uh, artificial intelligence and, and uh, machine learning uh, algorithm to actually be able to capture all these complexities of robotic systems uh, have. So it's true that maybe we're not going to be able to understand everything that's happening within the soft robot, but maybe we're going to be able to control it to a sufficient level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when you speak to with your family or friends about soft robotics, how, how do you think about this robotics? The, the in, eager to learn more and just something. How, how, what's your feedback about soft robotics? Well, for people well, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I think it's, a, it's a, the, the people that typically react very positively in my experience. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think one of the main reasons for that is because Hollywood has been very kind to our community. So, so if you if you think about a rigid robotic systems, people immediately think about like scary Hollywood movies mm-hmm. of robot taking over the world, and it's, it's huge and and scary and dangerous. Well, if you think about like soft robotic system, you you think more like a big Hero Six from Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's kind of a a, a softer, safer uh, uh, system. Mm-hmm. So, so I think in this sense, it's helping a lot the. Uh, perspective from uh, from from the common public um, which I think it's it's, it's very nice uh, mm-hmm. for us yeah so with this being said do you think that emotion can be really integrated with robotics like is this movie that you have emotion so do you think that something we can even fake emotions of robotics or something you think way off a little bit yeah that's actually something we can that, that that will be a very interesting research line, and there is a there is a strong demand for that, mm-hmm. uh, especially as we are as we are deploying robots that are going to be more in contact with the other human beings, uh, and 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 you want sort of like this. this if I'm thinking again about uh, uh, assistive robots, I mean, if you, if you want to have a sort of a, a assistant, a robotic assistant, for example, to help the elderly. Um, you, you want them to, to sort of show a little bit of emotion and empathy with them. And, mm-hmm. and I think soft robots can be a very good, uh, 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 a good technological solution uh, to solve this, because if you think about it, you can have these soft faces and you can quite easily actuate different parts mm-hmm. and mimic 
the complex expressions that we can um, that we have as humans. Um, so I think it's, it's it's definitely something that we can we can mm-hmm. probably do. Yeah. So since we have a soft robotics conference and activities concerning to the expert field, how do you think we can engage in our public in soft robotics? Then we have like awareness. If we can come up with new ideas, maybe we we even consider as a researcher some like some kind of problems that we maybe don't know or certain product. Do, do how do you see this kind of engaging happening? Yeah, that's 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 an interesting point. So so I think like I, I had a very nice experience in the past mm-hmm. uh, that was that was very successful and and, and I think we, there should be more events like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when I was a visiting PhD student in, in London. We we did an exhibit at, at the Science Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, exhibit some bias. In that case, the theme was by inspired robotics, but but we, we also uh, um, exposed the the, the, the soft uh, manipulator, and this was very well received by by the general public mm-hmm. and and. and uh, Create a lot of excitement in the field. Uh, we can we can definitely uh, always do a better job in uh, um, advertising uh, our our work through the through the media, through uh, articles, through uh, videos. I think I think this is always uh, an important aspect because if, if you think about this is a generally important aspect in research because if you think about like uh, general public are financing research through their taxes exactly. and and that and research products is, is and the research we're doing is 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 funded by those money so so you want to sort of like show them uh, um, mm. how what what kind of exciting results we're actually doing uh, with those with those funding uh, another very interesting activity that I that I found very successful was uh, was outreach in in school, mm. uh, even like elementary, primary schools, uh, explaining the, the low barrier for like fabricating soft robotic devices. You can get very successful experience with uh, uh, with kids. It's 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 very it's very fun and, and rewarding to do. Mm-hmm. Great. So, do you have any robots at your home? Uh, not yet. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for a soft robot. Yeah, okay. So, so still, still not. So, what kind of robot you would like to have in your home? Well, definitely uh, something to maybe help uh, help help in tasks like I don't know, doing dishes, for example, or like uh, uh, cleaning up. Uh, uh, some parts. So there's there's the iRobot that is very good at cleaning on the floor, but outside of that, you cannot uh, clean around much. So I think I think this kind of help would be would be fun to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as a PhD supervisor, what are the PhD student qualities you are looking for? Oh uh, well, it's I I think the the main thing I'm looking for is. Being very excited and committed to your research, mm-hmm. uh, to the research project you you decide to take, uh, and I think that's that's the most uh, important thing to me. Um, so it's PhD is it's hard uh, and and requires a lot of work and uh, it also requires facing a lot of struggles, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's 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 very important to be extremely excited and and have a. a, a and, and very positive about uh, your research. So, so that's one of the main uh, uh, feature that I that I uh, want to see in a in a PhD student. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And then, of course, in, in fields like this one, being open to learn and challenge yourself. Uh, you, of course, you uh, whatever is going to be your major, you're going to have to learn something from another field. If you're a mechanical engineer, you maybe have to learn something from uh, material science or something from control. Uh, and so, so be open to that. It, it's one of the main, uh, it's another very important uh, aspect. And, and kind of tying into this, being uh, open to collaborate with other groups, uh, with uh, uh, groups with people that have completely different backgrounds and, and be very uh, open to in, into these collaborations because it's to uh, the best benefit of everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. Mm-hmm. So at the, you had head of the lab, how we make sure the things are going in the right direction since it like beauty is a, a journey and sometimes as a student we don't have a full control how the path is going to be. So for your experience, how, how you make sure things are, are going in the right direction? What's you're looking for? Well, uh, I try to be, uh, I try to meet with all my students at least uh, once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, for um, half an hour to an hour, I'm, I'm open to do more uh, more meetings if necessary. Uh, but I think it's a it's a good way to sort of like keeping uh, always always keep an eye if, if things are, are moving uh, forward, if there are some challenges that need to be addressed, if if the student gets stuck somewhere, and then we can maybe find together a solution to move forward. Um, and I think this has been working uh, very, very well. And of course, every people is, is, is different. Every person is different mm-hmm. and requires a different level of mentoring. Um, so, so this mechanism is kind of adapts from person to person, uh, um, depending on, on on the attitude and, and on, on the progress of, of, of the particular person. Uh, but I find this to be working uh, pretty well. And I and I always want to make sure that that students are. Uh, happy, are, are enthusiastic, are engaged with the research. They feel like they're doing something. Uh, uh, they're progressing, uh, and that's something that I that I check mostly at the end of each semester because I think that that requires a little bit more of a uh, longer term uh, perspective with respect to the weekly meetings where we just discuss the technical aspects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what was the best advice was given to you, and was like life changing? Was it personal or professional level? Oh, yeah, well, you, you receive many advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think one of the most useful to me and, and, and uh, I hope to many others is is uh, during the PhD, make sure you're able to build a strong and consistent story of your research mm-hmm. uh, that you're doing and consolidate that with uh, a number of good first author publication. And this will give you a very strong foundation to build your career. Um, and that's that's very very true. It will give you the the, the authority and and the strength then to to go for a, uh, whatever kind of career path you're interested in doing in either industry or a postdoc and then faculty positions. Great, great. So we're coming to the end. Uh, I would like to ask you if you have final words we'd like to share to the software products community. Um, sure. So, so first of all, thanks for everyone who's been listening to this. Uh, I hope some of the things I said resonate with you and very excited to be part of this community and look forward to working together to advance this field. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. And, and Pavel, I triple E, Rest of Robotics, uh, I would like to thank you for your time. Thanks so much.
Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thanks so much.